All right. Well, this is uh, Palm Sunday, as you've been hearing, and as you might be familiar, this is the day in the calendar which we remember Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. And it kicks off the, the final week of Jesus' earthly ministry here with us that leads up to Easter, which we are, as we're hearing, we're going to celebrate this weekend on Sunday. And as was read earlier in the service, as Jesus entered the city, he came in to the, the shouts of acclaim of him as king. And, and, and these dense crowds had spread their cloaks and had spread their branches out upon the road, and, and he came riding on the back of a colt. And this is a scene that is reminiscent of, of a king coming back. In, in the past, kings would come into Jerusalem. Kings would come into cities in this fashion, reminiscent of a coronation or of a king who had gone off to battle and had come back victorious, they would ride in in this exact sort of fashion with the crowds assembled and people cheering and and laying down palm branches and coats upon the road. And so as this is taking place, the the people had formed a procession ahead of Jesus and a a procession behind them. And as they're honoring him with their their actions, they also are honoring him with with their voices verbally as well by declaring, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming king of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest heavens. Now, these words are actually quotations of past scriptures. Scriptures that the people knew referred to a coming king, to a a coming Messiah who had been present, who had been revealed that would present himself one day in the future. And it also revealed that the fact that they're saying these, it revealed what they believed about Jesus. That as they declared these things, they, they believed that he was that Messiah. But they had their own definition of what that meant because they, they knew what they wanted. They knew they wanted a Messiah who will come in and bring them freedom because that, that's what Hosanna means. Hosanna means save us, Lord. Save us. But what did they want saving from? As they're declaring the arrival of Jesus, declaring those Hosanna, they were wanting freedom from, from, from politics, from the political forces that were against them, from the military enemies that they had mainly the Roman occupation that had essentially taken over the land and and on the verge of basically um, repressing these people. There are these external forces in the Roman occupation that was a constant threat and opposition to them. But even in the midst of this joyous celebration, there was also internal opposition starting to build as well. You see, the religious leaders heard that the people were declaring this declaring Jesus to be this new king, this new Messiah who had been waited. And so the religious leaders came along Jesus and they said, Jesus, aren't you going to rebuke these people for saying such things about you? But Jesus saw no reason to rebuke people who were speaking the truth. And so he didn't. And now as the coatless multitudes wave palm branches and shout for joy, what we end up with is kind of a perfect storm that is starting to develop where we have these external forces creating a frenzy of the anticipated Messiah who they want to rescue them from from political and to free them nationally. And we have internal conflict that is starting to well up that we know from the rest of the story in the coming days is going to erode their hope. It's going to erode their joy. It's going to come to a point where it starts to erode their faith in Jesus because he's not going to live up to what they want him to be. And very soon, their shouts of Hosanna in a couple of days will turn into shouts of crucify him on Good Friday. You see, their faith in Jesus wasn't misplaced. It was just misguided because they didn't understand who he was. They didn't understand what he had come to do and come to accomplish. And he would not bend to what they wanted because he knew what they needed. 
And we, like them, need Jesus to be our Messiah. But we need him first and foremost to be our spiritual Messiah. One who comes to save us and to free us from the slavery of sin. And free us from the death, the impending death, that we may have eternal life. But we also know what it feels like to face opposition. We know what it feels like to have internal opposition in groups that we belong to. We know what it feels like to have external opposition kind of pushing against us. And we also know the impact that those internal and external oppositions have upon our faith. And how that can start to erode our faith at times. How it can start to divide as opposed to unify and make it difficult for us to be followers of Jesus Christ. And so starting today and into Good Friday and Easter Sunday, we're going to focus upon one passage. One well-known passage, passage you probably have read and are familiar with. And we're going to learn from this one passage how we can address some of these issues. This, it's found in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, through chapter 2, verse 11. It's a famous passage where Paul wrote, one of, one of the more beautiful passages of Scripture that I've ever read, where we see Paul addressing his young church in Philippi, who is having some of these situations there's internal conflict brewing. There's external forces coming against them. And it's starting to have an impact upon their unity. It's having an impact upon their faith as they might be wavering a little bit. And then from there, it moves on. On Good Friday, we'll talk about how Jesus is the ultimate example in this beautiful hymn of how he, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but humbled himself, became obedient to death. But then on Easter Sunday, because of his obedience, because of his sacrifice, because of his work, God exalted him to the highest heavens will be the journey we go on over the next couple of services that we have. And this is a passage where Paul also is providing some encouragement for his followers. And that's what we're going to focus upon today, where he's encouraging his followers to stay united as they follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. Now, if you have been a follower of Jesus Christ for any period of time, you probably are aware that sometimes, some days, some situations, it's easier to follow than others. Sometimes it may feel like you're, you're just following Jesus down the sidewalk in summertime, and it's nice and smooth and warm, and it's easy, and it's a refreshing walk. Sometimes it feels like it's, it's, it's this joyous celebratory moment where, where you're walking maybe along a beach in Cancun, and you're just enjoying this basking in this paradise Maybe you're more of an outdoorsy person and you enjoy walking in the, in the backwoods and you, when you find those hard-packed trails and you're thinking, I could just go forever. There's, there's little resistance. There's little that will stop me. I could just follow in the footsteps of Jesus along this hard-packed trail forever. But what happens when that sidewalk gets icy? What happens when the tide comes in and that beach walk turns into three-foot deep water you need to now push through? What happens when that hard-packed trail is now covered in waist-deep snow and you struggle just to get your legs high enough to find those footholds to take the next step and the next step and the next step? Spiritually speaking, our life and our walk with Jesus can feel like this as well. There are some seasons where we feel like we are breezing through it and it's easy and joyous and celebratory, and there are other times when it is slow and it is hard and grueling. And in those times, people start to fall away start to slow down, start to wonder, is it worth the effort to keep up the walk? And the faith starts to slip. So the question I want to consider today is how can we become people who have an all-terrain faith? How can we have an all-terrain followership as we walk in the footsteps of Jesus Christ? A faith that will, 
that will endure in all seasons of life. So when things are good or when things are hard, we are doing the necessary work to walk and keep in step. When we're in times of plenty or in times of wanting, we stay on path with Jesus Christ in all circumstances. An all-terrain faith like Paul had. An all-terrain faith like Paul demonstrates in the book of Philippians where we find him starting to talk about this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. If, if you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn there. If you haven't got a Bible, you can find one in the pew in front of you. And this passage we found on page 951. And as you're finding that, just set the context for you a little bit. As Paul opens his letter to this church, this young church in Philippi, he begins by describing events about himself. He's kind of given them a personal update of what's been happening to himself at this point. You see, because of his commitment to Jesus Christ and his commitment to preaching the good news about Jesus, he's entered into periods of suffering. At this very moment, as he's writing this letter, he is physically imprisoned. You see, the ruling authorities didn't like the fact that he was proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ, and so they placed him in house arrest, and in some cases, actually literally in chains for the gospel. External opposition to what he was trying to progress with the gospel. At the same time, though, he explains that there were some jealous people, some jealous rivals with selfish ambitions that were stirring up trouble for him. Internal opposition that he was experiencing as well. And so he's getting it from both sides. He, he has the outside world pressing in on him, and he has the inside world trying to push him out. But in spite of this situation, in spite of the internal forces, the external forces, the fact that he is literally in chains in prison for the gospel, in spite of this, as he opens his letter, he expresses his great joy. He expresses the fact that he has enduring confidence because the gospel is still being preached and the name of Jesus is still being advanced in spite of what's happening to him and around him. Now, considering the situations he's in, this is such a curious response for him to have because the events of his life don't match his response. How, how do you think we would each respond in these situations if we were literally in chains in prison for the good news of Jesus Christ? Will we say, oh, joyous brothers and sisters, it is a joyous occasion. But Paul might be found to say something like, brothers and sisters, I am embarrassed that I am imprisoned. What an embarrassing thing to have happened to me. You know, it has just, just wrecked my spirit and I'm in this deep depression. And I'm just, I'm just so angry that this would be happening to me, that I'd be put in chains. I have rights, don't you know? Or perhaps Paul would say something like, I'm, I'm just frustrated and offended that these people who call themselves fellow Christians would say such things about me. I need to defend myself. That's not what we find. We find Paul demonstrates what it looks like to have an all-terrain faith. A faith that endures, a followership that stays in the stepfoots of Jesus every step of the way in all conditions and all circumstances. And then we find ourselves at verse 27, where he shifts from talking about things about himself to talking about things about them. Because as he discusses and he's been hearing updates about what's happening in the church of Philippi, like Paul, they've been experiencing opposition from outer forces and from internal threats to their unity as well. And so giving instructions to this church, he wants them to adopt a rugged, durable, all-terrain faith that will keep them all moving together in all conditions. And here's what he says, starting in verse 27. He says, whatever happens... Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whatever happens, 
times, low times, good times, bad times, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then, whether I come and I see you or I just simply hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they are to be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. Whatever happens, in all situations,